Hi, Fuki! Welcome back to the pod, The Frequency. <laughs> um, I just wanted to start this one off with a weird voice, obviously. Um, but really, I wanted to start this one off with a disclaimer because this pod episode actually went a little differently than planned. Originally, this was supposed to be an interview with a married couple. And at the last minute, um, her husband, David, decided to drop out of the interview. Keep in mind that, uh, number one, he's still very supportive of her participation in the interview. And he actually vocalized after after the interview that he was, you know, looking forward to maybe participating in one in the future. He just wasn't ready to discuss this in a public forum. He's not a social person. So I say that just to say um, his non-appearance in the video although you hear his voice his disembodied voice <laughs> you don't see him really in the video and that's just because he was you know some of this stuff is still triggering these are still active vulnerabilities and issues that they're working to overcome in their relationship they've just been dealing with them for such a long time that they have decided one of the ways they want to face them head on is through conversation which allows them to kind of stretch out their love story and their thoughts and emotions associated with it in a way that helps them see themselves more clearly see their marriage more clearly and see each other more clearly so their objective in this interview is literally to come to a greater understanding of their own story and to share it so that people who may not feel as courageous uh, or as open and able to speak about what's going on behind their closed doors might feel a bit more empowered or at least just know that you're not alone. So um, I really applaud them and what they were able to open up and share. And I say they because you'll see her consult him off camera from time to time, even though I told her, bitch, that's against the rules. He, you know, obviously he feels strongly about it and that's fair. So um, we're not coming for anybody in the comments. I ask that you just open your mind, be understanding. Definitely feel free to still leave feedback but um, this isn't about tearing anybody down. This is really about uh, each one teach one and we're all just supporting each other and helping each other grow. So with that being said, I super hope you enjoy the episode. I super want to hear back from you and I'll talk to you later, Bookie. Welcome back to the pod, y'all. The Frequency. Today we have one of my very favorite freaks in the house, Miss Shannon G. Woo-woo. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is a wife of eight years. Oh, six years and 12 years. Oh, so married six years, together 12 years. Mm -hmm. I've been learning a lot through the experiences you've allowed me to tap into, you know, via just talking and being able to observe some of the emotions that y'all go through. Mm -hmm. So first of all, let's talk about what your journey has been in live. I was 24 going on 25 when I met my husband. And um, let's just say I have my share of men that I had dated or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And I was on the brink of trying to, you know how men say, you know, treat them like a dog. I was kind of in that stage because I had gotten treated so poorly throughout the year. So when I decided that I was about to be like a dog, that's when I met my husband. Do you know I did not know that? <laughs> 
Yes. I was so tired of pouring my heart and everything into the to these men and they just treat you like a dog. I was and I had the mindset where I was about to treat them like how they was treating me. I was actually in the process of not seeing somebody but messing with somebody and I was gonna use them. I needed them for a specific situation and that's exactly what I did. And then it just so happened that the next day I, I met my husband. Not like, you know, I, it was just, it was weird. It was like, it was, it happened so fast. It happened so fast. Like how we, when we met, we kind of like. Tell us the story. No, I mean, tell us the story. It would be nice if he was here so he could tell you how he said when he saw me. But when I met him, the first day that I met him, we kind of spent all day together. Now, we knew of each other, but we didn't know each other. He used to come into the store that I worked at. And, you know, we spoke when I was, you know, working or whatever. But it wasn't like, um, like, hey, girl, like that time. It was just a casual conversation. So when I actually happened to see him this day, we spent all day together. We kind of poured our whole life stories out to each other all for all day. You know, we walked to the store and it was sort of like, he was like, walk on the inside, not on the outside. He said, you ain't for sale. I was like, what? I never heard of that. Wait, so, so he used to come into the store where you worked and then what, one day he just was chit-chatting with you like, yo, what, what time you get off type thing or? No, it was a guy that I was talking to that stayed in the same building that his mom stayed at. And it was like eight or nine o'clock in the morning and I was walking out of the building and he was standing outside on the phone and we kind of, we saw each other. We kind of connected and saw each other. He was on the phone. As soon as he saw me, he got off the phone instantly. He was like, I gotta call you back. I had my work clothes on, so I was like, coming from this guy's, you know, house. I mean, it was just a thing. It was a fling that I was seeing. And that fling was like, that was it. He went and that was it. Like we, like we sported our house, tried to eat each other all day long. And then, and then I spent the night with him and I never left from that day forward. Up to that point, he was just like a casual, hello, sir. Welcome to the store. Yes. And then you happen to be in the same building as him. When you was with, I mean, we're going to go ahead and call it what it is. Right. It probably, you know. fuck, buddy. <laughs> you know, and boy. Yeah. What was your first impression of David? <laughs> I'm telling this all the time because what he had on. I was like, look at this country bunkie. <laughs> Give us a visual. He had this yellow Corona shirt on. It had Corona on it. He had these gray LeBron James shorts on. He had these um these flip flops, these Crocs. those crocs. He had some white crocs on. And he had his hair like Coolio with the braids all over. So <laughs> when I first looked at him, I was like, I mean, because I had knew him. It's not like he was a stranger. We saw each other that day. It was like, hey, he like, hey girl, what you doing over here? Like, you know, that type of thing. Do y'all call it love at first sight? That's why I wish he was here. Was was it for you? Just speak for your own. No, honestly, and I tell him this to this day. I said no, it was not love at first sight to me. To him, it was. To no, anyway. I'm in the back. At first, I was like, you know, he was cool as a friend, and I was like, mm mm. You go from mm mm to like this. 
like this. Would you say that that's your best friend? Yeah. Would you say that you've been best friends since that day, that magical fucking day yes. that you spent together? Yes. That day that we saw each other, we poured our house, our whole life story. And we would walk around and just talk. He ran, ran down his history. I ran down my history. And then when it was time for like nighttime to come, it was like, I was supposed to be still with the dude, the, the side thing, you know? And I was like, well, I gotta go. You know, I'm supposed to be going, you going where? No, you ain't. <laughs> he, that's, that's what he said. Yeah, he said, oh, no, you ain't. No. And he knew what was up. So he really, okay. When did you know that you were in love? You're not allowed to look to David for answers. You're not allowed. <laughs> I know. You you have to you have to think back, like reach deeply, think back to how you were feeling and what you were thinking, because he can't see it through your eyes. Only uh -huh. you can. You know what? I could tell you when I knew August that this happened that we had met. Okay, I wasn't 25 yet. We had moved into an apartment in January of that next year. So we moved together. Before you knew you were in love? Like this was yes, like this was like us being together. I'm telling you, this was like I ain't lying. Like this was like we have moved together in January of that next year. Now, mind you, that was only like three months or four months. I never let lived with a, another man before. How did y'all decide that you were going to live together? Like, what was that discussion like? That was like we got to get out of here. We got to get out of his mama's house. We need our own place and our own space. Oh, okay. So up to that point, both of y'all was living at his mother's mm -hmm. house. You went from what you were living by yourself and working at the job. And then when I first met him, you know, I lived in Lakeshore and I had it and worked in Cleveland Heights. So I had troubles getting back and forth to work, you know, from all the way over there. So he was like, you can come live here. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you can come live here. And I was like, that was only five minutes away from the job, literally walking distance. And I was like, oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Y'all was meant to be, bruh. Yes. Like so when we decided to move was when we was having issues with his mom at the time. We was going shopping and buying stuff for our apartment. So when we moved, we had stuff. We was already doing all of that. So I finally, we finally got our place January and it was right down the street. So it was still a five minute walking distance. So we had got our place and, you know, I was able to really see the true him. He wasn't working at the time, but when I came home, I had bath water. I had clothes folded. I had a clean house. He even brought me lunch to my job. Yeah, it just kind of feels right, right to have some kind of exchange of energy that way. So that's balance. Right. So you move into your first place with a guy. Mm. Bitch, this is big. This is monumental. <laughs> take, take us through how that process looked, how you felt. What were some of the culture shocks for you, like living by yourself? Versus now living with another person. It, we really didn't have any issues. Like, uh, we wouldn't really have... He was carrying his weight. I was carrying my weight as far as working or whatever. And then we had, like, a traumatic situation. His grandfather ended up passing away. So, and he was really close to his grandfather. So, 
you know, it was a little bit of depression there. And so I don't, I'm not the type to stress you out. I know that you're going through. So I'm being more supportive than anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going, you know, he, he had his video games. He had his this and this to, so he can get his mind right. You know, because nobody, it's no time stamp on depression, you know, or when you're going through grief, grief, we're going to say grieving. Cause that's what that's basically what it was. He was grieving the loss of his grandfather, so you know he was still holding up his end, like he was still cooking, cleaning, you know, uh, like I said, pampering me to a T. I'm telling you. So, so for that first year, would you say it was kind of honeymoonish, even for the time that y'all lived together at his mom's house, the time you lived together in your own apartment? That first year, it sounds like it was very smooth. Yes, lots of love. Yes, I'm gonna say this. The less things you have, the more togetherness it was. Because what's the Obama phone? You got minutes. So you can't really be talking for hours on the phone with a minute phone. So then we didn't have a vehicle. So we walked everywhere or caught the bus together. It was more so we was more in tune with each other then. You know, we didn't have so much outside interference with family, friends, or anything like that. It was just basically us getting to know each other and kind of like, you know, exploring, you know, together. We would walk, I mean, like a mile, two miles and with groceries home. We would catch the bus home. We would go just walk in nature walk. When you remember that, is it a happy time for you? The vibe I get off of you when you talk about it, it's like, oh, bitch, we was in love. We could have walked to the fucking moon and we would have been fine. <laughs> yes, because we could sit and just find a TV show on Netflix and not have to worry about distractions. They say when you get materialistic things, that's when stuff start, you know, going downhill. Just to clarify, at this time, y'all had no children. No children. We had no animals at the time either. You have all the time and space to connect mm -hmm. and just form those bonds with each other. Mm -hmm. just, what a beautiful, protected time that was. How long would you say that period lasts where it was like no problems? We're just getting deeper in our bond with each other. We're strengthening the us. How long did that last? Oof. Four years? Oh. Uh, how bitch, you know the rules. <laughs> okay, about four, about four. Ooh, wait a minute, hold on. That might have been six years. What? Yeah, that was before we got married. Six years. So the whole time up to the point you got married, you felt like it was just smooth sailing, no problems, we're in love. So much smooth sailing. It was a little kinks in the road, but nothing that you can't. Couldn't, you couldn't fix before you go to bed at night. It was also, you still, we were still getting to know each other, basically. Like, I mean, because honestly, you never really truly know a person because people go through different stages. So, like, there may be things, like, we left out and we didn't tell each other that we was constantly evolving and telling each other the closer we got you know it was more things that was being revealed about each other too for that same period of time right up until the point you got married what did your sex life look like and did that go through any changes during that time period oh god that was um in the beginning it was phenomenal it was like three four times a day <laughs> what, what about when you lived at his mother's house how was it did that make it you know weird or, or <laughs> crazy you know, was that hard no pun intended <laughs> uh, no, uh -uh. no that was uh, sneaky let's put it that way 
So sex life is robust as a motherfucker. Y'all super happy. Both of y'all are are you are you both sexually compatible as far as like how much and how you like it and that kind of stuff? Yeah, because it just happened naturally. It wasn't like forced or rushed. It was just like because like I said, we had so much more time to be with one another and be focused on one another that we would just be sitting there watching a movie and then boom or we could be sitting there we were sitting there exercising and then the stretches turn into your legs bust wide open you know he's stretching and that's how it was these times were very 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 strong times and we were very very connected then No, no matter what even through family issues and family situations so y'all kind of had the uh us against the world type shit exactly that's what kind of what kind of forces were you feeling resistance from like who was feeling resistant to y'all being together my my family my yeah because you know people judged and didn't get to know you know even if a person tell you about a person you shouldn't go off of that you should go off of once you meet a person, you know what I'm saying? Like, just because I said he don't got this or he not this, that doesn't mean you should judge him because he was the nicest person in the world. Okay, he don't have certain things, so what? You know, I'm not that, I was never that type of person that be like, oh, he got to have all the money and he got to look like this and look like, I never been that type of person, you know, and I wasn't going to let them you know, especially when I was finding myself and he was helping with that. He was helping me be the person that I wanted to be. He was more so, he was encouraging me to be, you know, that's what your own person. Exactly. Just from where you're seated right now in your life and in your marriage and looking back on the decisions you made that were kind of against what your family wanted from uh-huh. you, would you say you have any regrets about your decision making? About being with him? Mm-hmm. Like maybe the timing or the way you did it or how quickly or whatever. No. Would you say that it happened exactly how it was supposed no, to? No, it's divine timing. No, because if I wasn't yes. supposed to be with him, I wouldn't be with him. If I'm not supposed to be married to him, I wouldn't have been married to him. Like I feel like he was brought into my life at a time where, you know, I was transitioning into this person that wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? That At that time, I was thinking about being this nasty, mean person, and that's not me. And he came along, and it was just really, really odd. I was like, dang, and he was so nice, and I wanted to, you know, because at that time, like I said, I was going to be a dog. So when I met him, I was like, dang, he's so nice. I wanted to be a dog. <laughs> How much experience had you had in healthy relationships, like healthy romantic relationships, uh-huh. up to the point you met David? I didn't have no healthy relationships. They were all not a single one. No, they were all toxic. I can put it that way. They were all toxic. I mean, I had one. I had one that might have been decent, but in the end, it turned out to be it, it. Like while we were in the relationship, it was good. It was very healthy, but then towards the end, it got toxic. And I say that just to draw a little contrast because sometimes you do feel the resistance from your tribe. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we don't want you to do this. But sometimes that's some post-traumatic shit for them because they've seen you go through a lot. And I just personally know your family has seen you through some toxic 
shit before. So they probably thought that David was like this, like, oh, he's just the the man of the season or the man of the hour or just he ain't going to be here long. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that type of thing, you know, especially when I started talking serious. Now, I'm going to tell you, he just reminded me um, the only person, the only people that actually was there in our relationship and actually was um supportive of our relationship was my grandparents what was the biggest thing you had faced the most challenging moment you faced together before you got married i want to say maybe when you got sick for me when my when he got diagnosed with diabetes you know, it was it was very hard because he had to poke himself on insulin and he's 35. Trying to grasp that concept and also trying to change it, like change your lifestyle. Change your life, you know, he wanted to change his lifestyle because he was very into holistic medications. He was he's against the doctors. So trying to be supportive and with him, it was hard, you know, because he was in a hospital for a whole week. And on top of me working nights, having to go, you know, to the hospital with him. He didn't want nobody to know he was in the hospital except for my aunt. So, like, trying to navigate that, not tell nobody he in the hospital, go to the, to work, go straight from work to the hospital, get him what he needed. And on top of when he got home from the hospital, trying to make him as comfortable as possible, picking up medications. And he had just turned, he had just had a birthday. When he came home from the hospital. But I'm imagining that you had to be his main support system at that time. I kind of feel like that's putting you in a wifey role, kind of. You know, that's a little more than girlfriend effort. Mm. How did that make you feel? Was it overwhelming? Did it feel natural? Was it, oh, that's nothing. I got you. How did you feel about that? Like, I'm a natural nurturer, honestly. You know, sometimes you say, you act like you my mama. That's just me naturally I'm a nurturer. So I'll do things, you know, like I, I'd be on the phone with the insurance company if I have to, to make sure this medication is right, or to make sure this prescription get to let, let me go pick up this prescription. Cause that's just, that's just who I am. It's not like I'm, you just trying to force this down my throat. No, I, if this is something that you have to have right now, I'm going to make sure you have it. I'm going to make sure you straight. I'm just, that's just me. That's who I am. I'm a nurturer. And, you know, the funny, not funny, but it is like, I don't have any kids, but, you know, I already know deep down in my heart that if I did have kids, I'd be an excellent mother, you know? Oh, no doubt. Right. Yeah. Just as well as my husband. He'll be an excellent father. We're just nurturers Aww. at heart. So we're six years in. You guys have a robust sex relationship. You've been through some struggles together. Like this is not just fairy tales and lollipops. No. Y'all been through real struggles together up no. to this point. Not to mention you really didn't have a whole lot of support for your relationship. So it kind of either will, stuff like that will either break you apart or drive you more deeply into your bond. Right. And it sounds like maybe it drove you two more deeply into your bond with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, it has and it has and it hasn't. It has because I feel like right now um, we kind of are at a different space. But you have to realize that it's okay to be different. Yes, we are one when you're married, but you got your own personality and I got my own personality. When you 
think about marriage, you think like, I gotta, we gotta agree upon everything. We gotta do everything together. We gotta agree, which is what we used to do before we were married. We used to do everything together. And yes, we were like this, but not only has time gone by, we're older now. We're at a different stage in our life. It got to the point where we had gotten like three or four marriage certificates from downtown and we let them lapse. And it was like, okay, we're not about to spend another $50, $60 on this. Like they started knowing us downtown at the federal building. Like, or with it so Well, damn. Right. Okay. Like, oh, y'all ain't married yet? <laughs> no. And so we said, like, you know, at that sixth year, we said, listen, if we don't do it, do we just not going to do it? Why was there like the pump fake? What? Why didn't you get married on the first time you pulled the trigger? It was probably six months to seven months into us being together that we talked about marriage. So this was like when everything with the family was good and we was like, oh yeah, we're going to get married. And then it was started planning a wedding and then it became more so the family and not us. It got too overwhelming. And then the fact that he wanted to have a say-so in a lot of things because it was our wedding. It wasn't their wedding. It was our wedding. So it was like, but it became their wedding and not our wedding. And we was just like, forget it. Life just start and we just f forgot about it, I think. I don't, I, I think that's exactly what it was. Was there an actual formal get down on one knee? Will you marry me? I love you, girl. Like, what did that look like? Or was it just a conversation like, yo? Six years, let's just go ahead and do this thing. No, there was no official on, on the knee. It was just like, because we talked about everything. It was like, let's get married. By that time, did you have the support of your families? Did you, you know, did you have a, a wedding or was this a private thing? What did that marriage part look like? The actual getting married part? You know, he was married before. So, and he said, you know, he got married and went to work the same day with his last marriage. So we was actually off for like a three-day stint. Like his job let him have three days off. I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And so when we actually got married, it was, wow. It was crazy. Walk us through it. What was crazy? Like, give us the wow. We want a wow. <laughs> At first... I really didn't want to get married. I didn't want us to get married then because I was like, I can't buy no dress. I didn't have the money for the dress. And I was like, this is just not. And then my mother didn't know if she was coming and then this and this. And I was just like, no. So then my mother-in-law decided, she said, oh, no, you're going to get married. I'm going to get you your shoes. I'm going to get you your dress. And so we got my dress and she got my shoes. We ended up, my mother ended up coming down, but... It, on our wedding day, <laughs> it was like a, a whole big argument because my mother didn't have nowhere to stay. And, you know, she wanted to stay at our house. And he didn't want that. He said, on our wedding night, we supposed to consummate our marriage. And da 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 da, da. And it was this big situation because mom, she had planned on staying somewhere, but it was so late at night. And the person that she was supposed to stay with, didn't answer the phone at that time. So she was like, because she was tired, she didn't want to drive back home. How did you feel about that? You know, some women get very, if one little thing go wrong, they're like, oh, it's a bad omen for my marriage. You know, especially if there's a clash with the people you love. Yeah, well, yeah, I was upset. And I was trying to like tell her like she didn't do it on deliberately on purpose. 
she did end up leaving and going home that night. So she never ended up staying. So, and on top of that, I almost, I think I was the last one to arrive at the, at the wedding. So I almost didn't make it. So it was just, it was, it was, (laughs) it was like it was rushed or it was very rushed and not very planned. Would you do it over? Yes, absolutely. You was there. <laughs> it was my. It was uh, my dad, my mom, his mom, and you. It was very, very private, and it was at the courthouse, and it was just, it was, it was still emotional. You wouldn't be able to tell me when a thousand people in the room. Mind you, I never been married before, so this was my first time, and me and him did talk about it. And I said, "Listen, I'm not getting married to get divorced." Like, no matter what you go through, you know, you can still overcome. It's not the end of the world. Divorce is not in my vocabulary. Did y'all see eye to eye with that? Like, yo, once we get married, there is no unattaching us except death. That's exactly what he said. Oh, okay. That's exactly what he said. I I know in the beginning you said you were the one that was slower to warm up to the I love you. Mm -hmm. Would you also say for marriage, you were the one that was slower to warm up to, yeah, let's get married. I knew I wanted to marry him. I knew, I just didn't know, I wanted a wedding, you know, but he's so, he's not into all that. You know, you still got bills, you still got life, you know, you want to put yourself in debt. And I get it, but for real, for us, I still want my wedding. (laughs) Even though we're grown and we understand the fairy tales are, you know, just stories and that real life is real life. But weddings, you know, that kind of stuff does still matter to us. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you still plan to follow through on, you and David? Yes, because he just recently asked me a couple of weeks ago. Bitch, is I'm, is I'm invited or what? Can I be the flower girl or what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Is I'm invited? Yeah. Is I'm invited? You you know what it is? <laughs> I'm thinking about, uh, he was thinking about destination. I want to go somewhere. I want to, you know. And de- oh, not to mention... We did move into a house when we got married. Like, what was that? Four or five days before we got married. Damn, so y'all had a lot of things that were all kind of moving pieces at one time. Yes. Okay, plus you have all this kind of tension with your support system, like your tribe. You kind of have tension here and there. So y'all kind of juggling a lot. Do you think that that was predictive of how your marriage would go? I felt like, you know, with us being married now, like, we was going to be more in sync. I mean, because honestly, marriage is just a piece of paper. <laughs> like, you, if you think about it, we was living like we was married from day one. I was getting called Miss Copeland from day one. Like, honestly, like, it wasn't really different to me. So, once you got married, y'all still fucking like jackrabbits. Y'all still... Hold on, let me see. Hold on. <laughs> Let me see. That's the six year six. Um, I think. I think so. At that point, you didn't have any children. How did that play a role in your relationship, or not play a role? Did y'all see eye to eye on whether you wanted children? Yes, because we both wanted children really bad. So it was like, let's start having intentional sex to. You know, so we can have a, a child, you know, naturally or whatever. Fertility pill or whatever the case may be. Not fertility pill, but some type of like a herb or vitamin to that is supposed to help boost your fertility. So we started and we even started going to the doctor because we have been together for six years. 
and didn't have no children. And that is not like six years I was taking birth control the whole time because I wasn't. That's actually something that I've never, I've never had the experience of having sex to have a child. I've never had that experience. Like, let's lay down and make a love chat tonight. Right. Did, did the experience and the intimacy of sex diminish or increase once you started having intentional sex? You know what? I started using that ovulation clock. I started getting these ovulation things so I could see when I could ovulate. And it'd be like, uh, okay, come on. We need to have sex like right now. Like, huh? <laughs> you know how? So, the, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, I've heard stories about that where it's like, okay, between 8 and 10 o'clock on Tuesday, you know, we have to get right on it. Was it hard for y'all to, like, did it start feeling like a chore type of thing yes. ever? Yes. And that's what people was like, you need to just let it, like, when you don't think about it, when you least suspect it is when it happens. I had those sticks and so checking to see if I was ovulating and then I started doing my research on it like you know when you ovulate you're supposed to feel a pain I'm like oh shoot I feel a pain <laughs> I must be I'm ovulating I must be ovulating. a pain in my ass <laughs> like, like oh my back that mean I'm ovulating like okay. I'm super horny I must be ovulating come on now like let's let's go people still try to test you and test your marriage and see if it's stronger. Try to see if it's loopholes or weaknesses in there. And they try to slide their way on in. Let's talk the big, the F word, bitch. <laughs> Fidelity. <laughs> Fidelity. Okay. Prior to being with David, had you ever cheated on anybody? Oh, yeah. <laughs> had you been cheated on? Yeah. Oh. What about him? Had he been cheated on and had he been a cheater before? Prior to your yes, both. Yes. So both y'all had experiences on both sides of that coin. Mm -hmm. So that cheating aspect is not the same when you're married. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. It's on a different level. So it's not just a piece of paper. Then. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like that. I do um, value my marriage. I really do. So it's not. No, it's not just a piece of paper. We touched a little bit on the whole infidelity piece, but, and you say you've never stepped out on your marriage, but has your husband ever stepped out on you? Yes. Yes. Okay. How long, was this before premarital or was this during the marriage? No, during the marriage. This was, okay. how long? This was after four years. Yes. So y'all were, there was no stepping out on either side from the day you met up to four years into the marriage? Right. Damn, okay. Like, have you ever questioned, I don't know if I want to be in this marriage anymore? Um, mm, I have. I have. How far, how long were you married before you kind of had that erupt in your spirit? Like, oh, out this marriage shit. I don't know, bruh. I want to say year four. What was the condition of your marriage leading up to the infidelity? My medical kind of played a part in that where... I was constantly um, having a cycle, constantly, like, when I say constantly, I mean, like, 11 months out of 12 months, seriously, like, Damn. and at that point, when you go through a medical experience like that, you kind of go into a depression, and there's ways that I could have pleased my husband, you know what I'm saying, besides having sex, like, intercourse, but I didn't feel secure with myself 
you know, that type of made me, that type of feeling made me feel very insecure about myself. So no, I did not please my husband. And that's what ultimately led, not only did that play a part, but because I went into a depression, you know, it showed in my physical appearance, it showed in my everyday life. Like basically I didn't clean, I didn't want to cook, I didn't want to clean, I didn't want to do nothing. Like, you know, I'm constantly, and not to mention in the process of that, I had gotten, I had got diagnosed with anemia. I was anemic. So I was low iron, very, very tired, very weak all the time. Didn't want to do nothing. Didn't even want to go to work. Just like, almost like in a freaking prison, just wanted to stay in my room, stay in my bed and not do nothing. How how far into the marriage was it before that hit? Because you went from a very, very robust sex life that was before the marriage and into the marriage. And then you have this issue. 2020 was a rough-ass year, bitch. Yep. Sheesh. That's when I first find out, found out I had fibroids. I realized at the end of January, like January 30th, I'm like, wait a minute. I ain't stopped fucking bleeding all month. Like, what the man? Wait, hold on. And that wasn't normal. You know, I was usually four days. Oh, so you you had the blessed, the magical uterus. Yes. Okay, you just had a little four-day joints. He was in and out. So this was a huge shift Yes, for you. huge. I heard you say that you were kind of in bed. You had withdrawn from the things that were everyday maintenance like cooking cleaning that kind of thing what about communication with your husband were you communicating how you were feeling and what you were going through with him or had you withdrawn from the marriage too um you know what i i don't think i explained it to him how i was feeling right because you know i would probably just brush it off like oh you know because nobody because when i'm used to being a strong one and honestly, I'm used to, in our relationship, I'm usually the strong one and I'm the one helping him uplift him. And the fact that I'm weak and I need, and I'm dependent on him, it kind of felt some type of way to me. Like, you know, like I need to be, I'm the mother, I'm the mama bear. I'm supposed to be strong and I'm not, I'm, I can't even provide what my husband needs, what my marriage needs. And that felt very low he thought i really just didn't want to have sex until i had to show him he had to physically see and he was like in awe he almost was in tears because he felt the pain that i felt okay so you had uterine fibroids and it was causing you to literally bleed constantly like your menstruation didn't have a beginning or an end it was just continuous bleeding And that comes with a lot, a lot of physical pain. A lot of physical pain. Oh my gosh. A hormone medication after hormone medication after hormone medication. And nothing worked. It was me constantly going to the doctor for the same situation. And, you know, even when it came down to me having the surgery, I had to wait three or four months to even get the surgery because it was right on the brink when COVID was opening back up. So it was like, okay, well, you got to wait in line. Like, you know, it wasn't like, okay, your situation is important, but there's other people with life-threatening surgeries that's more important than your surgery. Yep. And and that was everywhere. That wasn't specific to your area or anything, but healthcare in general was really trying to streamline and prioritize which patients needed to be seen urgently and 
who could kind of wait. And even though this is something that really highly impacted your life, we're both in the medical industry. We both had a history. So we both understand what that looked like. It's unfortunate, but we both understand that, you know, there were people who were literally dying. Right. So you were just kind of shelved for a few months. And during this time, you're getting more depressed. You're getting more withdrawn. Not going to work. Getting more. I'm pleasing my husband. So, like, it's like, okay, first of all, you don't cook. You don't clean. You're not giving me sex. And here's the thing, and this is what he tells me, too, sometimes. Like, and this is what I know for myself. Like, with fibroids, um, they say it's genetic. But ultimately, I did my own research. And it does have to do with what you put in your body. So, ultimately, that, too, was... uh, something mentally in my head i'm still constantly putting the bad shit in my body that's causing my body to react the way it's acting so like in in a sense it's like you know because me and him both did our research he's always constantly trying to find you know different like holistic ways to help me with my situation so he was trying he was doing his best to be as supportive as he knew how to be during that time but you're still withdrawn you still 24 7 pms because even though it's just bleeding you still get the same um you still get the same outcomes like you were having your menstrual like your cycle like a pms and stuff like that and they tell you you know um they asked me in the hospital well when was the last time you mentioned you had your last period. I'm like, shit, 11 months ago. I mean, like, <laughs> still going. Still going. It had gotten so bad to where I couldn't wear regular underwear. I had to wear depends. So that type of, you know what I'm saying? You Severity, like that's severe. Yeah. Yes. That's definitely, I could see body image issues there. I, I could see, you know, physical comfort issues, mm-hmm. emotional issues. Yeah. What did your husband's, reaction look like to this when you are first encountering it in January you're saying like he's thinking you don't want to have sex with him how did that evolve over that 11 month period he was basically trying to get me to do more holistic things to help and I was very resistant reason I say it is because certain things trigger the fibroids in my body I was drinking mocha frappes drinking pop eating fried foods, this, that, and the third. He says, babe, let's do this holistic. Let's do, let's start eating like this. Let's start, you should stop drinking that. And I'm like, you know, and it got to the point where I started turning into a whole nother person when he told me no. Oh, babe, let me get a frappe. No, no. What you mean, no? <laughs> like, I was turning into, like, this freaking monster. Like, and he would just, and at the point, he was, he didn't argue with me. He went and got it. And that, that could be tricky with depression, too, because all of the things that you're naming dietary-wise that you should stay away from to kind of help your fibroids lessen in severity are the same things that you crave when you're depressed. Yes. Like, when you're depressed, what are you eating? Terrible shit for you. Sugar, right. fried shit, easy shit that's easily accessible because you just don't have the inner gumption to go make something, you know, that's wholesome and that you have to put effort into. He knew it wasn't no win with him. In, the, in in that sense, you know, when he was trying, he's just like, I'm not going to win. I just give her what she want and she'll be happy. And then, you know, I go on my merry way where, you know, Susie over here looking good, this, that, and the third. She ain't got the problems my wife got and don't look like my wife is trying to fix her problems. 
You know what I'm saying? So walk us through from your perspective, finding out that there was infidelity. Like what did that look like? How did you find out what, what happened after you did find out? I had a feeling. So I looked at the, the phone records. I didn't have any proof at the time. I just seen what was going on and how he wasn't answering the phone. When I would call, he's supposed to be at work. And so at that time, I was just like, fuck it. I left for a month. And I left and went and stayed with one of my friends. So, and then we were, you know, it at the time, I wasn't for sure if it was infidelity at the time. I didn't find out till actually I found out when I came back home. But wait, so... Like, what's the difference between the way that you were perceiving his absence or, you know, just lack of presence in the marriage versus him just working a lot, you know? No, because I had access to whether he was working or not. And I knew he was okay. working. So I'm like, he been at work. You've been gone since 11 o'clock at night. Here it is. And usually every single day at that time when he was at that job, he would call me at a specific time on his lunch break. In this specific day, he didn't call me. He didn't pick up the phone when I called, and he wasn't at work. So I kind of put two and two together, and then I happened to look at the phone records at that same time, and I was just like, when I kindly finally figured out what was going on, not really like 100% figuring out, but like I had a feeling that that's what was going on. I kind of broke down. I called my friend and I was like, hey. she's like, you want me to come get you right now? I said, yeah, come get me. And I I, I remember hmm, to this day, I left out, I was getting my stuff and I left out and I seen his car next door at, his, at the next door house, his dad's house. And I seen the Jeep. And I remember calling and I said, pull all the way up to the side door so he doesn't see me come out the door. Because I didn't go leave out the front door because the car was right there. I didn't know the car was in the driveway the whole time. This whole night. Like, I barely slept that night sitting there trying to call him. And then I'm like, I never thought to look out the window to see if he was home. At that time, I didn't have, like, access to, like, find him. So I'm like what and something just like kind of clicked and she was already in the driveway and I was just like hurry up just leave so I didn't know what the to think honestly so had you confronted him with any of your suspicions up to that point mm -mm. damn so you were just kind of putting two and two together and then creating a plan to exit on your own but you hadn't talked to him about it at all no Cause I was like, he gonna try to stop me and this and this and that. So let me leave out the side door. And then I remember when I finally talked to him, he said, I left the front door wide open. I don't ever remember that. Cause remember I told you I opened the door to look out the front door and seen, and I don't ever remember leaving the front door open, but he said, I left the front door wide open. And that's why he got really upset. Oh, so he ended up getting upset, but it was just upset that you left the front door open? He got so upset, he changed the locks on the door house. Yes. Okay. So you go to your friend's house. You're there for a month. Mm -hmm. What does your marriage look like in that month? Like, did y'all communicate? Uh -huh. Did you ever confront him in that month's time? Uh -huh. We communicated a lot. 
Um, we communicated, but I don't know if I, I don't really know that we actually, he wanted to know why I left the front door. He, that's what he keeps saying. Why did you leave the front door open? Why did you leave? I don't ever remember leaving the front door open. Maybe I did, but because my heart was racing, everything was happening so fast. Maybe I did leave the front door open. Why was that such a hyper focus? That's so strange. The primary issue in your heart is that he's acting differently. His primary issue is that you're not connecting with him. But the issue that y'all chose to argue about was the front door. I didn't ever argue about the front door. I didn't know. I Like I said, I never knew the front door was open. Like, I didn't remember leaving it open. But he kept saying, I'm just trying to figure out when you left, why you kept, why you left the front door open. I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe I was, my heart was racing. I was trying to leave. I just didn't want him to see me leave, basically. So, so, okay, so you go to your friend's house, mm -hmm. who initiates conversation or contact with whom? Like, who initiates communication with whom first? Does he text you or call you or you text or call him? Well, how, the first initial thing that happened was I went to my friend's house, but I initially came back home that same day. That's how I found out the locks was changed. He actually cut my phone off. He cut my phone Oh, damn. Yes, he cut my phone off and changed the locks because I left and because I left the door open. You know, and at the time, I'm like, like I said, I didn't have 100% proof that he was cheating at the time. You know, and maybe at that time he wasn't cheating. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I just not, happened to see he didn't go to work. He didn't come home. He wasn't answering my calls. I was just putting, crossing the, you know, just dotting all the eyes, like, you know, like this, 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 and this happened. So the only outcome would be cheating. Like, I don't understand. He like, I was at my mother's house. I know him. I know he don't go overnight and spend the night at his mom's house like that. So that's why I kind of put two and two together. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you come home, you see that the locks are changed. Is he home when you come? No, he went to work. Okay. So you, I'm guessing you would, the next step would be to reach out to him. Like, yo, what's up? I can't get in the house. Yes. And what was his response? He said, you left my doors unlocked. He said, you left my door open. And did you confront him at that time with your suspicions? Like, when did you actually introduce to him the fact that you thought he was cheating? Um, I don't even... I just knew he didn't go to work. And my question, I never ne never necessarily said, you've been cheating on me. I said, why didn't you answer my calls? Why didn't you go to work? You know, those type of things. I never initially. So you didn't, you didn't outright accuse him. No. You didn't jump the gun with that. No. Okay, you really did try to make some concessions. Like, okay, there could be explanations. Let me try to give him a chance to explain himself. Yes. I and what kind of explanation did he offer up? Just that he was at his mother's house and that's it? No, he just kept asking. Maybe you did like, he kept saying, why you leave my door open? Whenever I said, why you didn't go to work? Why you didn't call me or answer the phone? He just kept saying, why you leave my door open? That's what he kept saying. Why you leave my door open? I'm like, so how did y'all initiate a conversation about the nature of your marriage? Like how, how did that conversation happen? Um... I don't think that really happened until probably a week after me being gone. 
after a week of me being gone, but there was ne- there was still never a question. I never accused him of cheating, even still. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It was still, it was just like, why you didn't answer? Why you, you know, why didn't you go to work? Why are you lying? What are you hiding? This type of thing. And it was... So what broke the ice? Like what finally gave y'all that breakthrough so that you could actually communicate effectively about what was really happening in your relationship? It wasn't even until after I came home. Matter of fact, no. Was that? Yes. No. Because his thing was... Um, at that time, I was lazy. I wasn't cleaning. I wasn't giving them sex. I wasn't doing, you know what I'm saying? Like my hair, your, your hair is always, you never look sexy for me. You this, this, and this, and this. All of those things was actually talked about while I was gone in that month's time. Okay, so y'all had the conversations that you couldn't have face-to-face. That separate time kind of gave y'all the space to be able to speak to those things. Right. What, what was your response to those things? Did you finally let him into what you were going through emotionally? Well, no, because at the time I was kind of like in denial. Honestly, I'm I'm be honest. I was in denial. Like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, not, not really you don't know what you're talking about. It was just like, I do, I do X, Y, Z. I do this, I do that. And, you know, sometimes I do do a lot of things, but it's not the necessary things that need to be done. Okay, so you're like, maybe I didn't do X, Y, and Z, but I certainly did Elemental P, nigga. You didn't see that? Exactly. Okay. I said, why are you talking about X, Y, and Z? But look what, what, you know, the the good things that I did do. You know, yeah, I know I had a problem. I needed to, you know, I had a problem with cleaning, being lazy, you know, just like all of that. All of that. You know, I was in a funk. and, And we both sat down and talked about, you know, when everything fell apart, like when everything started going left in our marriage, we both talked about it. And he told me, he said, babe, he said, you know, I never wanted to commit infidelity. I never wanted to commit adultery. That's not something that a person going to marriage wanting to do. But he did say like, you know, like he said, the devil and the temptation, especially when your wife is like, you know, he was trying to be uplifting and try to be encouraging, and try to be supportive, you know, but I wasn't accepting it, I'm like, you know, I, he says I'm bullheaded and hardheaded, and, you know, I look at it, I'm a very strong person in certain areas, I'm gonna put it that way, I'm a strong person in certain areas, and I feel like sometimes I want what I want, and if I don't get what I want, I'm very, I can be very, um, I, I'm saying it just like that. You're a bitch. I can be very um, bitchy. You're a bitch. Shut up. Sometimes as we experience different things, our patience and tolerance for it gets longer because we gain more understanding. And sometimes, though, we gain more understanding and we don't take no shit. So our patience gets much shorter. Our toleration gets much shorter. It's like, nigga, I put up with this shit when I was young. I bet I I don't. Or it's like, yo, I'm an adult and I understand that this happens. So let's talk about it. Like, which end of the spectrum do you feel like you've kind of gotten closer to? Mm, I feel like I'm an adult. Let's talk about it. Like, I'm not going to react like a wild banshee. That's, that's, you know, younger people stuff. Like, I don't do that shit. I, I try not to anyway. I mean, I could go off. 
like a firecracker. Don't get me wrong. I can flip the fuck out in a minute. When y'all do have those points of conflict, would you say that most of the time your conflicts are like a smooth conversation? It's just like, babe, sit down. We need to talk about this because we're not seeing eye to eye type shit. Or is it like, I could say it's 60% and then 40% like, come on, let's smooth it out and talk it over and you know but i try to be the i ain't gonna try to level headed but i try to be the more calmer person because it just don't make sense if both of us is you know yelling and carrying on and nothing's gonna get resolved that way you know but i can and i have a lot of times you know flip the fuck I can't don't get it twisted because you know but at the end of the day when you done flipping the fuck out you don't feel good it doesn't feel good you know hey the makeup sex is good but I mean the whole process in it and within itself is not good yeah that toxicity is not cute anymore at a certain maturity levels like I don't want to be toxic. I want to work this shit out. I want to talk. I want to communicate. I want to get get to know each other more deeply because of this point of conflict, not like tear each other down. I know I end up breaking down and I end up like just basically saying like, I don't like arguing. I don't like fighting. I don't like, as a matter of fact, it might have been, <laughs> it might have been today. I kind of flipped the fuck out today too, but you know. But what, what does that look like? You sound so cool, calm and collected. We just talk. But what what do the bumpy spots look like? That looks like you want to wring his fucking neck. Like, goddamn. Just sit down and shut the fuck up. Like, and listen to me. Okay. I'm just saying that. I'm, honestly, that's how it is. Like, and I know on his behalf, he probably feeling the same way. Like, God, if I could just, you know, I just want to whoop her ass one time. You know, that's like, you know, because she not listening. And then I feel like he not listening. When y'all had a kind of friction... Is there one person who typically like submits like, okay, you got it? Or do y'all stop talking to each other until you cool off? He does walk away. Sometimes he do walk away. And, you know, and then sometimes it'd be me walking away. But the majority, I think the majority of it is me walking away. Do y'all ever go to bed angry at each other? Sometimes. Now, that was a rule that we had in the beginning of our relationship, even before marriage was to never go to bed mad at each other. And sometimes we, I do find us going to bed mad. And then you notice that when you wake up, you still fucking mad. You should get it resolved. But if there's no resolving it at that time, then you need to just walk away and come back at a later time and try to readdress the situation. Sometimes we get okay. mad at each other and then be acting like the shit didn't even happen. <laughs> like, Is it just like, yo, we both realize we were stupid in that moment so we just kind of let each other off the hook yeah and it's like we don't even talk sometimes we be you know getting mad at each other we get into a and then have a normal conversation like the shit just didn't have like we wasn't just at each other's throats just like 20 fucking minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> like you know sorry i'm not people would you say that the separation time was healthy for your marriage considering you know, the y'all were having some difficulty communicating, connecting, and being able to express how you're feeling mm -hmm. and thinking to each other. Mm -hmm. Was that a healthy separation for y'all? Um, I think in a, in a, in a sense, in that month I was gone, it kind of let, let you connect with yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, not saying that because you 
not together, like you being together, you can't connect with yourself. That's something that you have to work on and learn how to do while you're with your significant other. You shouldn't have to, you go off for two months over here and I go off for two months over there. And then we're going to come together after we figure ourselves out. You're supposed to be able to figure yourself out, even with your partner. I mean, that's where you get that your time and my time. You know, you have your me time and then you can have your me time. Like, you don't have to be together 24-7. Before the infidelity, did you feel like each of you had individually developed your lives outside of each other? Like, I still do my thing with my hobbies or my friends and he does his thing with his hobbies and his friends? Um, yes and uh. Yes and no. Okay, so he has this thing where he says that I act like his mother. He said that you don't always have to be, you know, up under me, around me, be your own person. But at one point, um, David kind of like, you know, he don't like people. Let's just put let's just put it out there. He's not a people person, and it wasn't a lot of people that he hung around, and people that he did hang around or talk to weren't good people you know what i'm saying they weren't really good people you could say not good as in like, like criminals or not good as in they leeches. don't know understand marriage life or there you go leeches or marriage life or they didn't give them good advice they didn't give them you know what i'm saying like the people that he and you know when he was around them he didn't do good things so it was just you know so and i had a good support system a good cast that i was around so whenever it came down to me doing things with other people or people outside of our marriage, they always invited in David around. Like, you know, like, oh, you know, you can bring David, you know, because they know, like, you know, that's my husband. We were one, you know, and hey, you should come to this and then you can bring David too, you know, Okay. that type of thing, you know, because sometimes I feel like if I did leave him, and go with some of my friends or some of my people that I knew, he would sit at home and he has an idle mind. Sometimes he gets like, you know, like when he has an idle mind, he gets bored. He start talking to these like, I don't want to say nothing as people, but I'm just saying like he talked to these people that ain't, that don't mean him no good. Okay. So y'all pretty much always spent time together. It was either you just, the two of you or the two of you going out to do stuff together? Mm -hmm. Reflecting back on that, would you change anything about that? Or do you feel like that was just the best choice for your marriage? Um, I think that we probably could have been apart a little bit more. Because I felt like if he had a good cast of people around him, I wouldn't be so worried. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be so worried. I would go here and there. and then, But he doesn't have a good cast of people around him. And a lot of people try to do things to him. And then, you know, I I have to pick up the pieces. And I feel so like I, I'm, I am a nurturer. I don't want anything bad to happen to any of my loved ones. I don't want nobody to go through no kind of, you know, where you upset and you sad and you mad. I don't want that. So, like... I try to steer him in the right direction with people because he's so, he's so, he's such, he has a good heart. And sometimes he don't see the bad side of people or he don't see things in other people that I can see in other people. 
Do you feel like the people he would sometimes surround himself with then were manipulative or controlling in terms of what he was doing? Yes, they were very manipulative and they used him and because they knew, I felt like they knew they could get away with it. They felt like, like, especially in our marriage when we was going through, you know, the infidelity and stuff like, well, well, not even in the infidelity, when we was going through me being sick and me not being able to perform and how he felt about that. He would be, you know, down and upset and this and this about, you know, our marriage. And instead of having somebody that he can honestly talk to that give him honest opinions, there will be people who feed off of that, 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 you know what I mean? And then that's how the infidelity started. I believe that's how it started. Considering the fact that you felt like his the his friends or the the tribe he had outside of the marriage were manip- manipulative or controlling, do you think that your effort to um, steer his friend choices or create the environment that he was immersed in when he wasn't with you, do you feel like that was manipulative or controlling for for his friends that he was with? For, for you to be so involved in choosing who he gets to spend time with uh, when he's not with you. Oh, uh, yeah. It probably was controlling. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I, Why do you feel like that was the case? Like, what would happen if you just let him pick his own friend groups? He would pick... <laughs> pick people you didn't like he for him? pick people who weren't good for it, weren't good friends. That you felt weren't good friends for mm-hmm. him? Did he feel like they weren't good friends for him? I mean, at the time, when they there to listen and talk, of course he felt like they good friends. But then once you get, you know, once you get so far in, then you realize that they just trying to use you. So would you say that the position you took with him in terms of the friends he was choosing was the same position that your family was taking in terms of choosing David? Like, they were like, oh, we don't like him for you. He's not good for you. Uh, you don't act the same when you're around him. Do you feel like that was the same thing? Yep. Now that you say yeah. it was. Yes, it was. But it was, actually, it was, it was, but then it was a difference. Because, you know, I, when I told my, my family about him, it wasn't me mm-hmm. saying anything bad about him. It was me saying the truth. But but the other difference is your family had context for who you were before him and who you were after him. Mm-hmm. And so their alarm wasn't necessarily born out of what you were saying about David so much as it was how they were seeing the changes in you. Would you see that? say that was correct? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And which is fair, which is fair, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you didn't, we only gained that know-how. Like he can only pick better friends by going through the process of picking friends, you know? Right. And if he picks a friend that's that's trash, he has to kind of experience that so that he can learn in himself how to recognize that instead of relying on you to recognize it for him. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's something that has gotten better since that experience for y'all? Like, does is he capable of picking better friends now? Yeah, it would if you didn't, like, if you didn't realize that, okay, you know this person is X, Y, and Z. Okay, you stop talking to this person, but then you keep going back to it's like you fucking eating a rotten apple and you know the apple is rotten, but you keep fucking eating it like it's going to change. It's not going to change. It's going to keep getting rotten and rotten. It's like so it was almost like, 
okay, you know, okay, I'm a, that person is such and such and such. I'm gonna stop talking to that person, okay. But then here down the line, you back talking to the same rotten ass person. I think that at the beginning, she was everything I wasn't. So, like, in the time, you know, he had fun, he did this, and you know, like, he felt like he was younger because, of course, we getting older, we ain't getting no younger, we not. 12 years in you know what i'm saying so you don't want it like the things that i was doing was that of an old lady you know so and that's what he told me he's like you're like an old lady you don't do this you don't do that so i felt like he found somebody that was young and he believed everything that she said and then find out it was a bunch of bs so during that month did he actually ask you to come back home or did you ask him to come back home or did you try to come back home like what did that look like well we talked about it and we agreed for me to come home we just didn't agree on the same day it was like okay you gonna come home on friday and then here i am thursday thinking about it like fuck that i'm not waiting till friday i'm coming to fuck home today that's just how i felt and that's how it was i called i said i'm on my way right now i called an uber home and i went home I said, I'm not waiting till no Friday. What kind of, if we, I'm going to come home, I'm going to come home. So that was, was there a strong desire from you or a strong desire from him for you to come back home though? Like during that month's time? Because y'all had spent every single day together for years. As long as things ain't the same. As long as things change. This is a trial. Da, 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 da. We're not going to, like, you going to come home, but we going to, work this shit out and it can't be like it was before that time. Okay. So there wasn't no neither one of y'all was rushing to get back to the marriage like that. Both of you were like, nah, we need to take our time and walk into this with some intention. Mm -hmm. When when did you find out there was another woman? When did you confirm? He told me. He told me, but I also kind of Actually, yeah, he told me, but I kind of knew to see his expression. He was always in his phone, always in his phone. And then he would have this face, look on his face when he's on his phone, like a, a, a look of excitement on his phone, on his face. And I'd be like, flat out, is there someone else? And he'd say yes. How did you take that? Well, it confirmed my suspicions. Cause I told you I had. Was it, was it a little bit of relief? Like, okay, I'm not crazy. Um, it was a little bit of relief, but then it was like a little bit, of, a lot of hurt too. It was a little bit of relief, but a lot of hurt because we had been together for so long. And in my eyes, I feel like why wait till we married to cheat? You should have cheated when we was dating. You know, like we been we was dating for six years. And then, you know, now all of a sudden you cheating, you know, that's, that's how yeah. I felt like, you know, but granted in the six years that we was together, I didn't have the issues that I had now, you know, it, yeah. you know yeah. I feel like, you know, in his old age, he can't remember that. He can't remember that our sex life was like fucking jackrabbits, you know, that we, because in his mind, it's been so long since I had this fibroids. He thinks I've had it since day one, since we met. I'm like, no, but he don't, cause you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's been a while, yeah. you know, when you go and have sex once every six months, you know what I'm saying? It can feel like an eternity. 
Absolutely. And that that has to be challenging for anybody who's, especially if you're used to connecting with your partner on a physical level Mm -hmm. frequently, and then you go from 100 to zero. Tough. That's fucking tough. Mm -hmm. So you find out that he's cheating and y'all had a conversation. How did he respond to your pain? He doesn't, David doesn't really respond well to when he's feelings. So what what did that look like? When I say, I tell him I'm hurting, he kind of ultimately kind of like, I feel like sometimes he disregards that. Like when I tell him how I felt, he'll turn around and say, well, I felt like this or I did this or, you know what I'm saying? Like instead of an addressing the situation like that we're talking about, he'll talk about his own feelings or what I did to hurt him instead of, you know, because I will address his feelings. You know, he says, you know, when we was going through that and everything he said, well, she don't cook, she don't clean, she don't look sexy, she don't do her hair, she don't do this, this, this. I already knew, I knew all of that. I knew every complaint that he ever had. You know, but I, and I told him, I said, it's not like I don't have complaints that are not addressed. Hmm? Yeah. His reaction is just how he just did. He left when it comes to addressing other people's feelings and how other people feel he shuts down mm-hmm. on that. It's like he doesn't want to address other people's feelings. He just wants people to address his feelings. Looking at looking back at your infidelity from today, how long ago has it been that he was unfaithful? How far back from today? It's two years. Two years ago. So this is still a sore spot for y'all. Mm-hmm. What does trying to move through that together look like? So you've addressed it. He's obviously he's having some trouble holding space for how you feel. Mm-hmm. Are you sometimes responding with that same energy? Like, you know, I did this, this, and this. I held space for your feelings and I did this and I did that. And like, is yeah, that your response actually, to him as well? Actually, now that you mention it, yes. Cause when he talks about he and it's like, I don't know, it's almost like a natural thing. When he talks about uh how he, what what you do or or what I do, I I turn around and say, well, what about X, Y, and Z that I did do, or what about this that you did? You know what I'm saying? I feel like I don't go around and point fingers at things that he's done, like he does me. Well, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do this, you don't do that. And let me let me just clear the air with everybody right now is that I'm still going through this. This is something like as far as my medical condition and everything, I am actively still going through. Even with the surgery, um, I am actively still going through this, not as heavy and not as bad as it has been. But yes, it's still an ongoing issue. So... And and also to further clarify, you mean that physically, you mean that emotionally, you mean that mentally, and you mean that maritally. Yes. Because in your marriage, this is still something that's very much alive and relevant. Yes. Very much so. Okay. Very much. Okay. 
Have y'all ever gotten to the point where you felt like seeking counseling or a therapist, a marriage, you know, somebody to kind of address the marriage and not just each of you individually? Because it seems like you're both in defense mode. Like you need to tell him, like, you don't address my feelings and you don't do this, you don't do that. But it's funny that when you say that, you're doing the exact thing that you're complaining about him doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're justifying yourself and he's justifying himself. And it's hard to hear each other when you're both just defending yourself you know Uh have you guys seen a marital counselor or anything like that we did we saw a marriage counselor for about uh i want to say two months last year i want to say it was last year i think how did that go um that went it it actually went in his favor it was okay but it was it was more so like I felt like it was down in me a little bit. And at first, he was the one who was kind of, it's not that he was against it. He really didn't. He first, he said, yeah, I'll take counseling. Then he said no. Then it was like once it got down to actually taking counseling and making the appointment, he was just like, okay, like, you know, like it was pulling, pulling his teeth or something like, okay. And so, but once we actually started sitting in the counseling session and hearing the counselor and hearing him tell his truths and me telling my truths, you know, it was more so like it was against me. I felt like the counselor kind of like down me more so and then uplifted him and he kind of liked that. He liked that, you know, that, you know, it was all on me. You felt like the, the therapist shifted the responsibility for the infidelity on you completely tell me what those words sounded like what did those conversations and counseling sessions sound like that kind of left you with the impression that oh they both believe this is all on me well it wasn't really the the infidelity part because we didn't get that far (laughs) we was trying to go through it was more so um oh she let her family in and you know um she, her mom and this, her brothers and this, and then and he didn't tell his truths about him and his mother relationship. So it was like, yeah, well, um, you got to watch with having your family, you know, because your families can tear down your marriage and, you know, you know, you need to not tell your parents so much stuff. And I'm sitting here like, well, he didn't tell his truth about him telling his mother so you know, of course, you know, I told my whole truth, how my mother was close to me going through this whole situation, through this whole, like, span of 12 years, and how I did maybe tell her too much. I was open, like, how I'm open to you, I was open to the counselor, and he wasn't so open. So his his truths never got, you know, addressed like mine. Clearly, there was still some unspoken truths and some unfinished unresolved issues Uh why did y'all stop after two months i got a black male doctor because i didn't want it to be no excuse that he was white or that it was a woman and a bias and this and that so when i chose the doctor i chose a black doctor and a male doctor so that it would he would be more forthcoming to having the counseling session and then he said he didn't need it anymore. We don't need it anymore. We need to just, and then he says that. He said, well, we need to just sit down and uh, talk things out. But it's like, 
we can talk things out, but when a person doesn't agree with what he agrees with or what he says, he he shuns it out. He shuns it down. He walks away or he lashes out. Do you do you agree that you guys don't need the counseling? No, I believe we do. But it's not going to work if only one person is opening up to that telling their troops. Like, he doesn't know how to take constructive criticism very well either. You know, when somebody try to tell him, well, maybe you did it, he does, he shuts down. He gets upset. How are you dealing with that these days? You did seek treatment for your health issues. Yes. And I'm actually looking into um, doing start juicing again. So I'm just trying to, um, you know what it is, though? And I realized that I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, but the woman is the leader. You know, do and lead example and he will follow. And I was like, what? Like, you know, I, I have to be, just like you said, I have to be the leader in this marriage. And even though it's supposed to be the man, I have to be the one to do things and he'll follow. And what when I say that, and the reason I say that is because it's been proven. You know, oh, she doing X, Y, and Z. Let me jump on the bandwagon. You know, I'm a natural born leader, I guess. And but sometimes I do get weak. And that's what messed me up is when I got sick, I started being weak. And I've told him this before. I said, David, I can't always be strong. I said, there's times where I'm going to be weak, where I need you to be strong and to carry me. You know, just as vice versa, as I carry us for so long. Yeah, and and I know a lot of people say that marriage is 50-50, but 50-50 is like an overall average. Sometimes it's 20-80, depending on what type of relationships we're talking about. They don't, you know, necessarily move in accordance to that 50-50 rule. Sometimes people do need to be carried for a little while and so they can get their bearings. What would you say it is right now? Maybe not 50-50, but... Mm, Let me see. Right now, it's probably... 70 30. I mean, his, his, he's more 70. I'm more 30. You know, he's more of the breadwinner right now. And he's doing not breadwinner. So we're not talking about financial. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's not the same. Okay. To me. Ooh, ooh, look at me defining somebody else's relationship. Let me back up. Let me back up a second because this is single bitch talk. They ain't never been married. Okay. But. To me, and you tell me what this looks like from inside a relationship, mm-hmm. but to me, my, what I bring to the table financially and how we sew into our relationship as one are two separate things. For me, I've always made way more money than my counterpart for the most, for, for a lot of my relationships. What we're sewing into the relationships in, turn, in terms of vulnerability, mm-hmm. intimacy, emotion, mental connection like all of those things still matter no matter how much money a person is bringing to the table i've been i've honored that as the person who was the major breadwinner Uh and i was the 70 and i've also honored that being the 30 where there were men who made a lot more money than me from inside of a marriage would you say that it's similar different Uh, even me being at my 
mental, my health issues, I still mentally and emotionally carry more than he does. You know what I'm saying? Even though I'm going through my own mental and emotional situations, I feel like I do carry more. You know what I'm saying? And I and that's what that's where I believe that I am neglecting my own self trying to worry about my husband in this marriage. You know, I'm neglecting myself because and that's why I can't I'm worried about him and what he's doing and how he's feeling. You in my physical state, in my mental state, I can't carry everything, especially you know, in the situation that I have, you know, it's hard. It's hard to try to maintain this and maintain that. You know what I'm saying? So I think I have to differentiate and try to just, and he's told me that too, like, just focus on yourself. That is very hard when, like I said, I'm a nurturer at heart. It's hard for me to just focus on just me. Thank you, baby. So you're just saying, like, you have the inclination. You want to be helpful. Right. And it's hard to just step back and, like, say, you know, oh. I won't control you. I won't control. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just solely focus on myself. That's hard. Are you getting Are you getting better at it though? Do you think? What does that look like for you now? Because it's been a couple years now since the infidelity episode. Mm-hmm. How long did it last? I want to say like maybe four, five, six months. The other woman? Did you know her? Okay. So she she was in the picture for six months. She's out of the picture, but now you and him are still kind of left to figure out what the future looks like afterwards Uh because and that's still because i'm still going through my issues you know what i mean my my health issues i'm still going through it so it's gonna be it's harder you know sir i would not doubt that that definitely complicates things Uh do you think you ever use your physical condition as an excuse for not checking in as strongly as you can to your marriage um, probably. I mean, I probably did, but it's to the point where I really physically, mentally, emotionally did not feel like doing anything. Like the fact that the minute I, and then the minute I try to be, try to be on the up and up and try to be happy, you know, I'm laughing, ki ki ki, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, I'm having a, a episode and I try to be uh, happy and still try to be there, but it's like, it's, it's, it's not good. You know, it's not good. Do you feel pressure to like be what he wants? Yeah. I mean, cause I feel like he wants this. Well, I'm not going to say cause he wants, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with wanting to be how you were because I wanted him to be how he was and I tell him this all the time I said this is not the person I met when I met you you was just this loving person and now I feel like he's so angry all the time and you know 
I can't talk to him anymore because he does, he shuts down. He shuts down. And, you know, when it comes to talking about feelings, he don't want to talk about feelings. But the thing about it is he doesn't want to talk about your feelings. But he wants you to listen about his feelings and the things and the struggles he's went through. But when it comes to you, it's like, like you know, like he, he don't want to listen or he think you full of shit. And that's up to current day. So what what does the future look like? Like what strategies are y'all employing in your relationship to kind of keep your shit together and continue that journey of growing together? Not trying to like sugarcoat nothing, but I feel like once I get myself together and I focus on me, I think things will get better. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so that that is your plan for the marriage is just to take the part that you contribute and just bring that to the highest vibration that you can. That's all and I then can allow do. him to kind of follow suit. Yes, that's all I can do. I can only be accountable for myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's how I wholeheartedly feel. Like that's why you know a lot of people say you know oh he commit infidelity. That's it. I'm getting a divorce. That's it. You know. I went into it knowing that, you know, I never committed adultery. Yes, I have this medical illness. Yes, um, part of my lifestyle has contributed to this medical illness. But that doesn't mean I'm finna go cheat. I'm finna go do this. That means, you know, I took my marriage and my vows seriously, even though he may not think that because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Okay, X, Y, and Z is not all that there is to a marriage. There's other things. You know what I'm saying? But but just to be the devil's advocate, friend, <laughs> you're the way that you the way that you express your struggles, you don't have the same struggles in the relationship that he does. Another thing I heard you say is like he wanted it to be how it was and that's fair because I wanted it to be him to be how he was too. But did y'all really get married expecting each other to not change? You had already been on a, a journey of change together and it was all good when y'all was growing together. Uh-huh. But now when your growth is kind of making you step on each other's toes, uh-huh. is it like now you're like, oh, change is, that's boo-boo. And we never, you know, you never should change. I can't believe you changed. Right. But really the whole time we've been changing together. It was just, it was cool when your changes were serving me. Right. And yeah, because my change is not, it wasn't a change for the better. It was change change for the worse. Mine contributed to a bad part of the marriage that you don't want to ever happen. But from the outside looking in, it's like y'all really had not had a challenge in your marriage that was born out of the relationship. You had external challenges that drove you into each other more deeply, but you really hadn't had internal challenges in your marriage that drove you each into yourselves more deeply. Uh, Because y'all, you know me and you have talked and I'm very open with the fact that I'm like, Girl, y'all both codependent. That challenge that came up, that kind of, it seems like it was a negative thing. But as a friend who's seen you evolve through it, I think it's made you stronger. It's made you more insightful. It's made you more aware. It's put you in a place where you feel compelled to communicate more in your relationship, regardless of if he communicates back or not. I've seen that growth in you. I guess you're right. Because if there, if, if, it wasn't an issue with our marriage I probably wouldn't be trying to you know look into myself and correct myself instead like you like I said 
not saying like it's just all me, but like I can only worry about me. You know, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you just so bad because you did this and this and that as far as the infidelity because I contributed to it too. And I'm telling my truth, especially when I had somebody who was willing to go on a journey with me to go on to be vegan or to be, to do whatever, to exercise. So like I had every single aspect that I needed to not go down the path. (laughs) At the same time, there's something to be said about depression because that was a period where your personality, like your general energy is depressed. And on a normal day, you're a bubbly ass, happy ass person, a little person, you know, you're about four feet tall with heels on. Described your relationship with David and your withdrawal from your external hobbies and friends and stuff like I need to make sure he's choosing the right people to surround himself with and in the meantime you've completely neglected and abandoned yourself and I don't think that was apparent to you prior to y'all having an infidelity episode because I remember us having this conversation all the time like bitch we didn't cancel four plans to go on trips we supposed to have been out the country 19 times we could have flew around the world we could have walked around the world <laughs> but you were very us oriented it was to the point where I didn't want to leave I'm like I'm not about to leave and leave my husband at home by my you know by myself like what you mean like and from, from the outside, before I had enough perspective to understand the context of it, from the outside, it's like, what are you babysitting your husband? Like, this didn't, it didn't make sense. Right. But, you know, you shared insight with me that a lot of people don't have this, that this amount of courage to be this vulnerable about what's really happening in their relationships. They just post the happy pictures on Instagram and Facebook uh-huh. and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. In terms of your relationship, that's almost working against you when you're just pretending everything is grand when it's really fucking not. Because you get trapped into playing that role. When you're depressed, you're in deep rest. Mm -hmm. And for you, it's like resting from holding up a whole other person. Like you were trying to control a lot about what David was doing, who he was associated with, Mm -hmm. the habits he had, a lot of that shit. And it was, it went both ways. I would say both of y'all were judgmental and controlling about any choices y'all made outside of your marriage, yep. who you hung who with, hung how you were right. acting when you're not around each other. Yes, yes, very. Yeah, so that depression is necessary. It's a deep rest for you to withdraw from all of that shit and really take a look at yourself, you know, and kind of get your mana back, get your energy back. I need to get my get the mojos back, girl. Come on now. That's what I was my own individual person, you know, when I met him. And that's what, you know, we loved about each other. When we first got together and we was holding hands, I was kind of like not feeling them at the time. I was just like, okay, what the hell is this? Like, (laughs) let me just say the first day we got together and I told you it came to nighttime and I ended up staying with him. You know, I said, okay, well, I don't know you like that. Oh, girl, you gonna, you gonna spend the night with me. So I was like, okay, here I go with my funky ass feet. <laughs> we, I'm not doing nothing. I'm not that girl. 
So he was like, oh, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. Ultimately, he wanted to have sex. This is one of the reasons, too, that I kind of fell in love with David. It's because he's very, very sweet. So, like, it wasn't like, oh, girl, rush this, that, and the third when it came to having sex like this, that. He was very gentle. He took his time. He knew what the fuck he was doing, basically. Right. Okay. You got your phone on mute? Uh, just because you can hear my refrigerator running and the air conditioner is right outside this window. Oh. And I'm using this window for light, so I can't move. <laughs> okay. I kind of fell like like butter. I melted like butter in his arms. And then I remember afterwards. Now, so mind you, yes, we did have sex on the first night. Yes, we did. He's my husband now. We've been together for 12 years, so... Shit, if he's not your husband, you grown as fuck. <laughs> like these people. But that was one of the things that I had that perception in my head. I remember after we had sex, I cried like a baby. He was like, why are you crying? It was so awkward. I said, because I'm not a hoe. This is not me. down and cry before we had sex actually and I was like crying because I knew it was leading to that and he said you know what he said you're gonna be mine for the rest of your life that day I bitch he said that on the first night on the first night yes he was not playing did you at that time at that time bitch like take your take your mind back to that day did you really believe him at that time yeah Cause how he was, he like, he, he, he's very convincing. <laughs> so ultimately to say this, like, okay, yes, there was infidelity in the marriage, but in my head, I believe there was nothing that could happen that we couldn't overcome. You know, even though it was hard, you know, it's hard, it's, it's an ongoing process every single day. There was a lot of suspicious, even afterwards, it was a lot of like, you know, uh, who you talking to? Like, trust issues there. Let me see your phone. Sneaking in the phone. This and that. Afterwards, it had gotten worse. Wait, wait, wait. So this was, who Who was who was micromanaging whom? Like, who was checking whose phone? Is that, was it both ways? No, it was me. He never checked. I mean, even if he did check my phone, it was nothing never there because I don't have anything to hide. It was always me looking at his phone because... He's a slick ass. Let me stop. He got a slick mouth, and you know a lot. And he's very sweet, and a lot of people see that. He's a female friend kind of guy. Yep. When when he does yep. have friends, yep. they're typically female friends. Would you say? Yes. He can't stand males. Yeah. Why do you think that is? He had one good friend, and then now they're not friends no more. I think David's problem is he wants to control every situation. Even with his friends. And I think that's that's just the problem, too. He's nice and sweet. He'll do anything for you if he could. But also, if you're not doing something right that he feels, he, he feel like, you know, that's stupid. Why would you do that? When you put it in that light, I can see how a woman, of, like a feminine energy, would be much more receptive to that. A, another dude is not about to be controlled by a dude. Like, they not, you my friend, nigga, calm down. <laughs>
But a woman might see that as, oh, he just being a man. I like a man to take control. Exactly. You know. And they see it and they kind of like, you know, see it like an opportunity. They feel like they got an opportunity because he's sweet. He, you know, he talked to everybody. And, and that's why I say he sometimes he could lead people in the wrong direction. You know, and, and David is a chivalrous type of dude too. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, let me open a door, let me carry that heavy thing, let me change that tire for you, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. Give up my seat for you, type of guy. Yes. Do you feel like the same shit that hooked you and turned you from I don't know you like that to oh my goodness I love you? <laughs> Do you feel like that same? He brings that same magic to the relationship even today. Yeah, but not as much. He bring more tough, that tough, that nasty side out more than he do bring that chivalry side out. I told him that once before. I said, I don't know who this person is. Like, you know, he gets upset a lot. You know what I'm saying? And he wants things to happen his way, right away, right now. You know, if it ain't right now, like, like, okay, so like, for instance, we trying to work on x y and z and i'm trying to work on you know this with myself you know as far as like being more open cleaning you know being more that thing that he he wants well he thinks the shit's supposed to happen overnight and it don't work like that instead of acknowledging the little things that's changing he'll say well why you didn't da 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 this is the stuff i'm talking about this is the and then and then I look at myself and I say, well, maybe, you know, I'm not complaining about the shit that he does enough. No, because I'm not that type of person. I'm not a complainer like that as much as he does. And sometimes you do want to be like, no, nigga, you know, you saying X, Y, and Z. Well, what about what you did? You know, and then it's a back and forth thing. And it's not resolving anything. Why do you think he fell in love with you in the first place? What kind of, what do you think you brought to the table in the beginning that had him falling on the first, literally the first night claiming you as his wife? I says this, and this is what his, he tells me this all the time. He said, babe, when I first met you, it was like you were on a pillar of clouds and everything else moved back. That's what he says. And I'm just like, I've heard him say that too, and it, I, I'm very convinced that that's exactly what his experience was. Like you were just a little five foot goddess that just dropped out the sky into his lap. Do you think there were specific characteristics or just a vibe? I don't know if it was. Just, I think it was just a vibe because, like I said, I had known him just from coming in the store. We and I, when I say we had brief conversations, it was just brief conversations. It was like. Oh, you know, and he was honest with me from day one. He was like, I was like, oh, what are you just coming from work? Because he had scrubs on. He said, no, I ain't got no job. <laughs> he said, no, I ain't got no job. I got fired from my job. I was like, oh, okay. He said, I just came up here to give mom some something, something, something. I was like, oh, okay. He was honest. He wasn't the typical guy that I would date. Like, he wasn't the typical looking guy that I was interested in. And now, I mean, like now, 12 years later, I'll be like, damn, my husband fine as fuck. Why didn't I see that when I first met him? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? 
Uh, okay. And the today right now version of your husband, what is it that you love about him and value the most? Like, ain't no stopping them now. Your business owner, he'll go get her. He like, she, you know, I'm about to go get this bag real quick. Okay, no, but <laughs> he is a go-getter and um, he do love me to death. He does. And there's no doubt in my mind that if I didn't have that medical issue or I was up to par, my husband wouldn't have cheated on me. You know what I'm saying? He loved me to death and he's he's we didn't talked about that. You know, anybody talking about me, he he's very protective. He'll wash up the ground I walk on for real. So given given that, and this is just uh, this is a genuine question. What do you think the difference would be in choosing him just because he strongly chooses you versus choosing him because you strongly choose him? Like I choose him because he ride for me. But what if there were 10 other men who rode for you with the same amount of conviction and commitment? What would differentiate David from the rest of them, aside from the fact that y'all have history together? Oh, aside from, oh, uh... And Go-Getter is a great example. So that's that's one characteristic that's, it's not just time spent. Because, right, you could be spending a lot of time with the wrong, mm. we all know that. Right. 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 <laughs> we all know that. What else do you think there is that kind of sets David apart? And you're like, yes, that's, that's Bay because. I mean, even though he, sometimes he may bitch, he's still going to have my back no matter what, like. Since we went through all that, it, it, the trust is starting to open up again. Like, as far as um, me being able to trust that he not being sneaky, he not doing this. You can sit and talk to whoever on the phone in front of me, and you tell me. Like like I said, you asked me if we was best friends. Yes, he tells me everything, no matter if it's a woman or a man. And that's what I... Because I'm not going to say you can't have female friends. I don't want to be that type. Him having female friends doesn't bother you, inflame you, trigger you in any way. Like, that's no issue as long as he's having those conversations in front of you. As long as he's open about it. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, this is my friend, and it's just a friend, and, you know, uh, you ain't sneaking to talk to this friend. You know, like I said, I got his GPS on, so I know where he at, and he don't cut it off. I I mean, we cool. You know, as long as you... What if, he, what if he did cut his GPS off? What if he just said today, I don't want to do GPS anymore? What? <laughs> that's not. That's not an option, honey. That's not a, because of his wait. That's not an option because of the type of job he has. He drive. He drive. He travels. So I need to be able to know for me that he's okay wherever he at. But he's been working jobs for years before and after he met you. So of course it's an option. So no. let's let's be real and say it is an option. Type of jobs like he do now. He's never worked the mm-hmm. type of job that he got now, where he actually travels for his job. Like not No no, I'm saying I'm saying let's say he doesn't give you his location. Like you don't have access to his location. Maybe it's accessible. Maybe his mama got his location or something, but he don't want you tracking his location. Would that be okay? No, that's not okay. Okay. So yeah, the trust is coming back, but you still kinda need these supporting behaviors to kind of help each other bridge the gap right now right and it's not even just that well okay beside that it's not just that like with that um with the fidelity thing it's with the safety thing because i'm a worry whore you know what i'm saying 
I don't try. I don't, has something happened in the time that y'all been together that one of y'all or both of y'all have been in like grave danger where y'all both kind of are protective to the extent that you believe something will happen as if there's a history of something like dangerous having happened and now you're hyper reactive because of that traumatic experience type of thing this one incident happened where he was dibbling dabbling in some some marijuana but all i know is he called me when i got off work and said he didn't know where he was and said he could not drive. He was slumbering over his words. And I'm like, well, wait, where are you? I don't know. I'm like, what you mean you don't know? He said, I'm in the street. I'm like, what you mean you in the street? So of course, you know me, I'm, I'm catching an Uber trying to figure out where he is. I'm like, you need to give me some type of you know, landmark. What do you see? Like, where are you? And I just dropped my cut my coworker off. Okay, so now I know where about his coworker live, so I can kind of pinpoint where he at. And he was slumped over in a car. He just smoked some weed. I'm like, okay. So in my head, I'm like, okay. Well, let me go get some milk. <laughs> I don't know if he was too high. He likes to bring some fucking. So I'm running to the gas station. I'm like, here, drink this milk. I had to drag him over to the passenger seat. No, I pulled him from the driver's to the passenger seat. I drove us home and I'm trying to get him out of the car, up the steps into the, in the house. And he's like this, like, what the fuck? So I'm sitting there trying to smack him like David. So then I'm like calling my mom frantic and my mom's like, check his sugar. Cause at the time, like the diabetes. So I had to, had to run to Walgreens, get batteries to put in the sugar meter to check his sugar, check his blood pressure to see what the fuck, if he going in a diabetic coma or what was going on. I'm just getting off a 12 hour shift. I'm fucking pissed at this point. So ever since then, I don't mess around because anything can happen. And it's been a couple times where I don't looked at his phone. Like, where are you, where are you at? And he'll tell me where he at. Oh, I'm over here chilling with Allison. I don't, I don't care. As long as you don't, you know, you don't, you're not sneaking around and lying to me. That's when it becomes a problem with me. But yeah, like okay. I said, that, that, term, that was a traumatic experience for me because I didn't know what was going on with him when I found him slumped over in the car. Same time. Uh -huh. I do think that the issue of safety is being hyperinflated and disguised as I'm worried about you, but really underlying is I don't trust you mm -hmm. and I need to be able to know where you are. Yeah. The same way it's like both. That, that controlling nature is kind of disguised by I'm a nurturer, but really underlying is uh, I need to control what you're doing so I can feel okay with how you move type of shit. Right. So just acknowledging that just so nobody thinks we trying to like, you know, fluff this shit up. Like, nah, we have real ass conversations about what it is and what it ain't. And I think that's what real, when you call somebody your sister or really being their friend, is like really being honest too about how you feel. And you've mm -hmm. never been the type to like lash out against me because I told you what I really felt or thought no. because we've had open dialogue. Now, if you ever told me you don't want to hear what I think, I'm okay with that too. Cause I know sometimes it's just a time to hear you out and that's all right. Especially considering the fact that again, a bitch ain't never been married. So <laughs> things that you say that you see, like you say, you on the outside, we both, both me and David has spoke to you about our situation 
And so there's things that you see or that I may not be seeing or I'm in denial. And you like, look, bitch, like this is what you need. <laughs> what the fuck it is. Like basically, like yep. you need to start like, you know, and the, vice versa. You'll tell him like, you know, even though he's maybe a little bit harder to talk to than me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, obviously we all three have very strong personalities. Mm -hmm. Me and David did kind of come to a head one time. And I was like, nigga, what the fuck? <laughs> And but we we had that moment we communicated and I think that kind, just like I don't think that the turmoil y'all went through was necessarily a bad thing when me and David kind of came to a head that way I think that that really forced each of us to look at how we're communicating with each other and how we receive each other and we've never had an incident since then I think that really helped my relationship with him in the same way it would help anybody's like if you choose to receive the points of conflict as an opportunity to help you see each other more clearly right. and see each other and see yourself and the way that you come into that other person. I think it could be a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. He gonna let it. He gonna let it. He gonna, he gonna make you hear what he got to say. Okay. <laughs> you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like maybe, maybe. And I, and I took that criticism for myself too, because I'm a firm believer that whatever, whatever issues you can see in somebody else, Typically, you can see it because you can relate to it because it's inside of you, too. Mm -hmm. So anytime I'm pointing the finger, pointing the finger, I know that probably what I see in that other person, I'm somehow contributing to that or displaying that myself and I just can't see it. So right. I appreciate y'all being so open about, you know, talking to me mm -hmm. and you specifically coming on the podcast to talk about infidelity. That's such a touchy, sometimes people tiptoe around the topic type of thing because that's hard you can forgive but you won't ever forget and that's not something that you can ever take back either you know what i'm saying so that's something that you're gonna live with for the rest of your life at at first i didn't think that he was very apologetic for it um because he's so cold now because of what's happened you know what i'm saying because his wife ain't his wife no more that's what he say but he did say the other day just recently that he did not ever want to cheat he said i want us to be in tune with each other and connected with each other and you know those type of moments i kind of cherish but then it quickly it can switch he can we can be like oh yeah da, 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 and then be like I hate you motherfucker like no I'm just saying like you know it's what makes you continue to choose your marriage when I made that commitment in front of God that judge everybody that was there I honestly take my vow seriously through sickness and health. Right now, I'm going through a sickness and health issues. When he went through his diabetes and stuff, and this was crazy because we wasn't even married yet when he got diagnosed with diabetes. But you couldn't tell me he wasn't my husband then because I treated him just like he was my husband. You skimmed over that and really didn't give like what that moment was giving because... David was wilding the fuck out. He was ripping IVs out his arm. He he was trying to move against medical advice. He didn't want to listen to them people. They lying to me. You was there calming him down. The medical staff was calling you like, yo, he wilding again. Oh, like I said, he could not, he did not want anybody to know he was in the hospital. 
So it's not like I had a support system there to help me through. So when you say you rolled for him through that time period, that was not a light, you didn't take that lightly at all. And it was not a mm. small chore at mm. all. Mm-mm. I'm like you said, I'm a Libra. So I'm balanced. You know what I'm saying? He's a Gemini, you know, so I, we kind of balance each other out. Yes. Sometimes it can get a little nerve wracking to kind of be the level headed one all the time to try to be the one to calm him down all the time. And I think that's why each of us have grown in different directions because I'm too much focused on him. And I think that once I start focusing on me and myself, I think things will fall into play even better. You know what I'm saying? So it's basically like, you know, your husband's heart and you're committed to who he is behind all those layers and that other shit. You know who the man is behind that and you're committed to that. And the best way you can bring that out is to bring your best self to the marriage. Is that fair? Yes, because he'll follow suit. If I just leave the fucking pack, he right there. Come on, babe, let's go. Let's do the damn thing. And that's to say it won't get like that. It won't get to that strong point again. It's just going to take some work. And honey, it's going to get bigger and better than ever. I think that one of the ways is kind of overlooked in terms of tithing or giving back to the universe that's given so much to you uh-huh. is like sometimes it's a matter of just sharing your truth. And that goes like that literally eats. Imagine you and David in your first year of marriage and you have no idea what the fuck is coming six years down the road. What advice would you give first year David and Shannon? Uh, communication. If they open up and express concerns to you and you ignore it, it might not ever open again and you might end up in a divorce. I'm just saying. Listening. Be patient with each other. Growing as a couple into your own identities. Respect each other. And also make sure you got a date night. Have a date night every single week. That's beautiful. Of course, you know that I send y'all all the love, all the support, and all that shit. And I know that your bathroom is super close. So, namaste, beaches. This is all the Keep your computer open, Shannon. Okay. Okay. And you can hear me okay? It's so silly. Don't make it worse. Lay you. I can't see you now, barely. Don't be acting like I'm that dark-skinned heifer. Get yourself cutie. I'm about to introduce you. Today, we got another freak joining us. Let's go. I am a 37-year-old single MILF. Y'all okay. <laughs> I recently had an interesting stretch in my life. Had. I say had like it's over or something. <laughs> Between today and this date in 2020, let's say, I've had sex twice. Twice. Twice? Yes. <laughs> we about to start this over. You got it on mute? Yep. <laughs> Can you please? No. Mm. Hold on. <laughs> you see her yelling. I got the bathroom. I don't mean to. Uh, come back real quick. Let's just wrap it up real quick. Okay, come on. You're going to have to leave your computer open after this, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so much for 
just sharing your story and for holding your pee because <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm also holding my pee.